Hello and welcome to episode 108 of the Viva Albertos podcast. My name is John Fleming. I'm a writer and editor at Viva Albertos. And uh, for this special episode, I am joined by Heather Simon. She is a writer and editor at Viva Albertos, and she's on a lot of these, so you probably should have known that this was coming. How are you doing, Heather? Hello, good. How are you? I'm doing fine. And um, so uh, last episode, we started off the episode talking about the aftermath of John Carlos Stanton being traded to the Yankees and the Cardinals looking to rebound from that. And I don't remember the exact phrase I used because that would require actually going back and like listening to the exact quote I said. But I think we were comparing Christian Yelich to Marcelo Zuna. And the line that I used was, I would rather have Christian Yelich, but I'd rather trade for Marcelo Zuna. And uh, that's what happened this week <laughs> for the Cardinals. I, I can't say for a fact they'd rather have Yelich than Azuna, but they did trade for Azuna. So that's a, uh, a thing that happened. The Cardinals acquired the... Uh, two-time All-Star, one-time Gold Glove left fielder from the Miami Marlins in exchange for Sandy Alcantara, or Alcantara, I always hear it sort of alternating there, uh, Magnera Sierra, Zach Gallen, I think it's pronounced, and Daniel Castano, which uh, four different prospects, Alcantara and Sierra, had major league playing time this year. Alcantara was the most highly touted of the prospects, Sierra's sort of lower end of the top 10 level prospect within the Cardinals organization. And then the other two are, I mean, they're sort of lottery tickets for the Marlins perspective. They're not the featured pieces of this, but uh, the Cardinals have Marcelo Zuna. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like the Cardinals have, you know, whether this is going to be end up being the biggest name they acquire in the offseason, they have a player that's probably going to be projected to be the best hitter on the Cardinals for, uh, for 2018. Uh, as far as contract is concerned, he is still within his arbitration years. He'll be a free agent following the 2019 season. So the Cardinals have, will have two more years of Ozuna under a artificially low contract through the arbitration system. Uh, Heather, what were your uh, thoughts on the trade? Uh, I liked it. I thought kind of saw it coming. It's not really a big surprise. Uh, I, like we said last week, I was kind of relieved almost that I didn't get Stanton. Just, I really wanted Stanton, but all the hype and stuff kind of around acquiring him and the whole thing just started making me more and more nervous as the, yeah. the negotiations went on. So I'm kind of relieved that this is how it ended out. Like it just kind of feels like it was meant to be this way almost. And I, I don't know. Like I think the the you can get two-time all-star and a gold glove fielder and not have to give up one of your top prospects, you're doing pretty well. So, Yeah, I think it's sort of inherently true that if you're going to try to acquire a player who is of higher caliber, which no disrespect to Ozuna or to the vast majority of baseball, but Stanton would be, you're assuming more of a risk there. In terms of Stanton, probably more in terms of contract assumed rather than players given up, but... Ozuna for being a player who's been very good and was uh, certainly his best year was 2017, so there's the chance of regression there. But I think this is, as I mentioned before, I would rather trade for Ozuna. And then once I saw the return, I was just thrilled with it. I, I think this is, frankly, an incredible trade. And whenever these sort of trades happen, I always try to think of it from the perspective of the other team, just so I can sort of understand it. And 
in a vacuum, I understand why the Marlins did it because they traded away Stanton. They, they traded away Azuna, obviously. They still might trade Christian Yelich. Apparently, uh, JT Realmuto said that he wanted to be traded. The Marlins are going to be terrible next year. And during the remainder of Azuna's time with the Marlins through 2019, the Marlins were not going to be serious contenders for anything. So I get trading him in order to get six years of club control from Alcantara and then to a lesser extent Sierra and uh, the other two minor leaguers. But for the Cardinals, you get somebody that's, I think, very clearly an upgrade. And I don't even necessarily think that Ozuna is going to repeat 2017. But I think that if you look at some of the more, um, like the underlying um, factors behind it, like his changes in approach, the fact that he was able to increase his walk rate while not increasing his strikeout rate. The fact that he was just hitting the ball really hard. He still got a little bit lucky in terms of batting average on balls in play, but I think that while he's probably not going to be as good as he was in 2017, I think he's genuinely a better player than he was before 2017. And if Azuna can be you know, a three to four win player, which we're going to talk about the projections a little bit later, then you're looking at somebody that's going to like clearly deserve to start. As we've mentioned in previous episodes, the Cardinals had this huge cavalcade of outfielders who were like two win outfielders, which is a solid player to have, but once you have enough of them, there's some very serious diminishing returns because you can't play six outfielders at a time. So you need somebody that's going to be able to rise above that. And I think that, uh, I think that is that he's going to have the potential to do that. Uh, the outfield alignment going into this year from pretty much every source, a bit of a shakeup from last year. Azuna, who won the gold glove last year in left field, which if you look at his defensive metrics, probably not an amazing defensive left fielder, but he's he's fine. Like I don't, I'm not worried about him being a bad defensive outfielder, but he'll play in left. Uh, Tommy Pham is going to move from left field to center field, and then Dexter Fowler, who seemed like he was going to like die in center field last <laughs> year based on how often he played there, is going to move over to right field, which it seems a little bit weird to me because I don't necessarily think of Fowler as being somebody with like a rocket arm, and that's sort of the stereotype of right field, but I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about the left field, right field flip. Yeah. I think when it comes down to it, you have three guys in the outfield now, though, who like could play center field. And you know, Randall Grichuk would also qualify as that kind of player. And then as far as you know, remaining players on the team, Jose Martinez isn't doesn't really have that ability. But if you have four other guys on the team that can, you're not gonna actually be put in that position. <laughs> Ideally, um, you wouldn't be anyway. Yeah. What were your thoughts on the players that the Cardinals gave up specific specifically Alcantara and Sierra? I'm I'm gonna go on a limb based on my conversations with you, that you know knew very little to nothing about the two players that were not Alcantara or Sierra. Yeah, I didn't, like, you didn't even know how to pronounce the name. That's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> well, I'll boat. straight up admit I had never heard of these yeah. guys until the trade was made. Like, I didn't even know. All I knew was Sierra and Alcantara. I didn't even know the other two guys' names because... I had to look them up before we started yeah, recording. Yeah, when they, when they first kind of released the news of the trade... They said Alcantara and didn't say anyone else, and then it trickled in that the other one yeah. of them was Sierra, and then after that I didn't bother le- learning the other two. <laughs> this was sort of this was a weird situation. No offense to them, but no, I just yeah. didn't. This is sort of a weird situation. Um, I'm not sure if people are going to find this story amusing or if they're going to find it boring. But so I don't have a lot of access to like 
social media or anything whenever I'm at work throughout the day. So I had seen that Ozuna had been traded to the Cardinals. I'd gotten wind of that, so I immediately kind of like started searching to find out like who did they trade for him because I'm not going to analyze a trade being good or bad until I know what the return is. <laughs> Like I like Alcantara's name had been floated about for the Stanton rumor, so I figured the Marlins were probably pretty high on him, and that was the name that I, I had assumed. But I had thought Gritchick or Piscotty would get traded. I had thought you know maybe they'd have to throw in another top pitching prospect. Maybe they have to give up Jack Flaherty to get him, something like that. And I kept like looking on Google News, just kept searching for it, kept searching for it, and nothing turned up. Eventually, I email Heather here <laughs> for my work email, and I just like. So who did they uh, who did they trade? Because I'm not seeing anything. And then, and then she says, "Oh, Alcantara is the one that uh, that's come out so far." And then the other the phrase was three prospects of lesser ilk. Yeah, <laughs> and it's something. So like Alcantara, really? Like that's that's unbelievable. And then I mean, Sierra is a little bit better than lesser ilk. I think. Yeah, that was... I think I think we've both. Especially me has been uh, critical of Sierra as far as long term prospects, but he's you know very raw and very exciting, and I understand why a team that's really just kind of you might as well at this point shoot the moon for these guys. You might as well go for a player like Sierra rather than getting somebody that you know is going to be okay. Like Sierra might be a complete train wreck who's never able to be a regular in the major leagues, but he also might turn into you know Gerard Dyson or something like that who's can hit just enough, but because they're so good at fielding and so fast, they're able to uh, make up for it. There was a little bit of a, a misconception, I think, among some Cardinals fans that Sierra was a lot better hitter than he actually was. Like Even last year, after he got off to that incredible hot start, he ended up being below average by WRC+. He never got an extra base hit. It was basically just a, like a slap hitter. Like he's the kind of guy that's naturally going to have a high BABIP, but he's not going to have that high of a BABIP. I remember um, I was looking at uh, Derek Gould's story on the transaction on Twitter, and somebody had replied, "Oh, I liked Sierra. He, I kind of thought he could develop into like a new Peter Borges, which it's not a perfect comparison, but I understand basically what they mean, which is mm-hmm. they figure, okay, this guy can be you know defense and base running." even if he's not a great hitter. You just hope he can be good enough. And then somebody said, oh, well, Borges never showed the offense that Sierra did, which I feel like I was, I'm was. i like the one person affiliated with Viva Albertos that was not in love with Peter Borges. But like he hit occasional doubles, triples, and or home runs, which was not something Sierra has shown the ability to do. But he's, you know, he's 21. So. What were the other two names that I told you that were not, they were like retired players? Well, whatever you said, Pablo Azuna, that was the point that I figured, well, considering they just (laughs) traded for a guy named Azuna, it sure seems like it's uh, made up. And then the uh, other one was... Infamous VEV commenter, Guazimi, or there's a lot of consternation on the pronunciation. I think the man himself has come out and said that it's supposed to be Guazimi. Yeah, I'm not pronouncing it that way. I'm not pronouncing it Jif, I'm not pronouncing it Guazimi. Yeah, because it's like a like a Spanish sort of pronunciation. I think it comes from some when he spent some time in like South America. If I don't know, so how we're just to... taking the story on face. The guy that told you that Pablo was you know the <laughs> decade ago lie. retired outfielder. It, it all makes sense though, based on what I think I know about him. But anyway, 
So then he said, the rumors are these two players. And I'm like, I feel like he's lying. So I just, but I told you it yeah. anyway. The other, the other name, I don't remember who it was. It's a player that I later realized was a long retired reliever. <laughs> but, the, but the name was close enough to some prospect, I like low level prospect I'd heard of that I was kind of thinking, well, maybe this is the real one. That's the beauty of his trolling is it's just enough to make you think, that could be true. And then you go through and look it up and you're like, ah, Guazimi. I feel like we, it's going to be a future episode of the podcast is Guazimi talking about trolling people in VEB comment threads and then mm-hmm. a uh, then bringing on uh, the Grobot to uh, discuss trolling people on Twitter by pretending to be John Heyman. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's part of that story is I gave you completely wrong names. Yes, but... I got Guade. Yeah, I think I think this is a case though. Just to wrap up our overall sentiments on the trade, where you know, the upside is it's high-ish. I mean, it's two years of him, so it's not like you're getting Christian Yelich or you get him for five years or even six years if you pick up the option after that. But for the next two years, I think it makes the team materially better. And like Alcantara is the only player of these four that I'm like care at all about losing but not enough that i'm gonna pass up a guy that like if ozuna really was what he was in 2017 then this is a steal but even if he's what he was say in 2014 where he was an all-star but a lesser all-star that's still a good trade and Mm -hmm. i'm still happy with that i and also i think this trade positions them to make further moves it's not as like if the Cardinals had acquired Stanton, that would be it. Like they would not have the flexibility to make any other moves beyond that. But here you can make further moves, and we'll get into them in a minute. But also we have another trade to discuss because this was a trade that happened like ten hours later or so, same day. It was, I was like it was contingent on the yeah. first trade. Yeah. This trade happened at about eleven p.m. right as I was about to go to bed, and then I saw it happen. I was like, "Oh, I have to write the VEB story on it, don't I?" <laughs> Craig and Heather are asleep. I'm gonna have to write it. Okay, but um, Stephen Piscotti was uh, traded to the Oakland Athletics for uh, Max Schrock, and I think it's pronounced Yairo Munoz. No idea. Uh, it's a Y-A-I-R-O. I can't think of another way that would be pronounced, but it's not really a name I see. I don't know the prospects in the Cardinal system. I definitely don't know the names of the prospects in the athletic system. Well, they're in the Cardinal system now because yeah. of this trade, but... I could have guessed Schrock, but... Yeah, but I, th- no. I feel like this was a trade that... Uh, the first thing that people mentioned, I did this as well, was mentioned sort of the sentimental aspects of it. The fact that... Stephen Piscotti's mom has been battling ALS, and she's from about you know half an hour, forty five minutes outside of Oakland. So this will allow him to spend more time with his family, and this seems like something that he really, you know, was concerned about throughout the year. And that's been a theory for why Piscotti took a bit of a step back, especially at the plate last year, was that he wasn't really able to concentrate. And I think that acquiring Azuna made Piscotti a bit redundant on the, the roster anyway because mm-hmm. like, at this point they were going to have to move somebody. I think Grichik has more fourth outfielder potential just because he can play center. And Piscotti, I mean, he's played he played center for a little bit that one time, but that was not good. Yeah. And uh, But then once I learned more about the prospects, and like you, I'm, I'm not a prospect hound, though I had heard the name Max Schrock before, but I – didn't know a lot about him. I think these are actually, like... They're good. This is more or less a fair trade. Mm-hmm. Like, the Cardinals 
could they have gotten more for Piscotty? Uh, maybe, but I don't think they were getting much more, especially because every team in baseball knew that they were looking to trade an outfielder. Yeah. Well, that, and I think the Athletics did, were interested in Piscotty. Yeah. Like, they did have legitimate interest. It, it wasn't just a, for a sentimental thing. There, yeah. There was legitimate baseball like aspects to it. Yeah, I mean, but, namely that the Oakland A's are terrible and Piscotty's going to be able to start for them because, like, what else are they going to do? I, mm-hmm. I don't even know who their right fielder would have been last year. I don't even think I can name a single person on their roster. Maybe... I can name a few, but not... Doolittle do doesn't play for them anymore. He does not. He plays for the Nationals. Something Gray? Sonny Gray plays for the Yankees. This is a fun game. <laughs> they're less... Coco Crisp? <laughs> not for a while. <laughs> Um, their left fielder, he has the same name but spelled differently as a player on the Orioles. No, I couldn't name an Oriole. The Orioles first. You can't, really, you can't name an Oriole. Mm-mm. Okay, we'll scratch the Machado segment, but, <laughs> okay, so, uh, first baseman for the Orioles, he hit, like, 52 home runs a few years ago. Oh, I know who this is, but I don't, can't think of his name. His name is Chris Davis. Yeah, that's it. The left fielder who like can't throw at all. But oh, you should the one that used to be on the uh, Brewers. Brewers. Yes, I knew that better. Okay, well, Cru- Crush Davis. Yeah, I don't know which one's which. Anyway, there's also uh, Marcus Semien and a bunch okay. of other players that are not that good. But That's Scotty good. should get opportunities there that he was not going to get in St. Louis because there was. I guess if there's you know if Tommy Pham regresses or gets hurt, but. The odds that Piscotty was going to crack the regular lineup, barring injury, were pretty low. So mm-hmm. he'll get a shot there. And then the Cardinals improved their depth in the uh, middle infield. Uh, Schrock is a second baseman. Munoz is a shortstop. And uh, with the updated Cardinals prospect rankings, Munoz is number 10 and then Schrock is number 12, which they're not elite prospects, certainly, but I think that you take a chance on them developing. They both had really good years in double A this year, and neither one of them is that far off of being major league ready, which like just from a pure baseball standpoint, as much as, because as much as we want to say, you know, the sentimental reasons you want Piscotti to succeed, you want him to be able to get a chance somewhere. I want to get something back for him. Like you don't want to just purely have a giveaway as, as cool as that sounds, you want some sort of value and, if they could have gotten a marginally better offer from a team on the East Coast, I don't really want that. Yeah. You know, surely if the Yankees, you know, wanted to trade you Aaron Judge for him or something, <laughs> then maybe you skewed the sentimentality. But in, in this case, I'm okay with that as sort of a tiebreaker. And I think that it has sort of a residual effect, too, where the players and the Cardinals see what the Cardinals organization did for this player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they could, and they can understand if. You know, a deal hadn't been able to get done but because it didn't, because the organizations have, you know, really, I think both handled this well. I, I feel a little bit uncomfortable doing the whole, like, Cardinals are doing this for charity thing because they did get prospects back. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sort of over sentimentalize it. Yeah. But, but they could have also dealt with other teams. Yeah. And I think it was pretty clear from the get that they were dealing with Oakland. Like, only. Because otherwise, I feel like we would have heard more about this story. Like, more teams than on Piscotti type of thing, you know. Yeah. But it was just Oakland from the beginning. 
And so I think from the you know from the very beginning, we everyone knew kind of what this deal was about, and no one moved in on it. It is a little bit of a strange trade in the sense that it was the Cardinals who you can say whatever you want about their playoffs position. They're certainly higher up than Oakland. Mm-hmm. Ended up trading the established major league player for prospects, but I guess that was you know, just a matter of the positional need. Oakland may be able to flip Piscotty later on too, which I guess kind of defeats the purpose of the trade. But yeah. <laughs> but, but another cool thing that they're doing is um, someone quote tweeted or something about the trade and said that uh, the age should donate a portion of his jersey sales to ALS research and then basically the president of baseball operations for the A's like took that tweet quote tweet and said that's a good idea we're gonna do it and so now they're gonna do that I'm holding him to that I'm sure that he's going to actually do it um but I think that's really cool yeah I'm hoping that I feel like the Cardinals could probably do that because you would think the Cardinals are going to be trying to sell sort of this excess stock of Piscotti stuff. and mm-hmm. Like, I already own a Piscotti shirt, but I'd totally jump in for another one. It's yeah. going to be discounted prices anyway. Or they could do that with future uh, Max Schrock jerseys. <laughs> or, uh, I'm not sure I want to buy the Max Schrock jersey until I know the, the number, but... Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool name. I wouldn't mind having... It, but it has to be Max Schrock. It has to be, like, the full name. Not just Schrock. I want Max Schrock on the shirt. It's like being flashbacks to the Simpsons episode with Max Power. Yeah, exactly. It's got that sort of uh, gravitas towards it. <laughs> I don't know if I pronounced that right. I feel like I did. But, uh... Anyway, so unfortunately, Heather, the next topic of discussion is a player on the Baltimore Orioles who you already admitted you've never, you apparently have never heard of a player on the Baltimore Orioles. Have you heard of the Baltimore Orioles as a baseball team? Yes, yes. I've heard of players from there. I just have a hard time naming them because I just don't care about the AL. (laughs) Well, some of the players are are notable. Some of them are even parts of rumored uh, trades. One of those players is Manny Machado and... Um, rumors have circulated around a lot of teams with Manny Machado. The Cardinals, probably the best combination of specific positional need and being a contender and therefore having a specific... Like, the White Sox rumors are a little bit strange. The Phillies rumors are a little bit strange. I think we can kind of put the kibosh on uh, the Cardinals rumors, though, can't we? You think so? Yeah. I'm pretty sure Mozella came out and said that Trading what eighteen years of service time for one year of Machado or one year of a player doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, the Cardinals just traded twenty four years of service time for two years of a player. Yeah, but I think it's that's different different service time. I don't know. I kind of feel like well, I think it's different in terms of quality of prospects. I don't think it's the. Yeah. I think that the price for Machado would be more than the price for Ozuna. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think, and this is a a rant that I went on last episode. I think I may have gone at the episode before too, but I have to say it because I keep feeling the need to say it, but I'll say it every episode if I have to. If you're trading for Manny Machado, you're trading for Manny Machado in 2018, and that's it. You're not trading for a long-term extension. You're not trading for Manny Machado in 2012 where you get six years of service time out of him. You're trading for one year and it's awesome to have him for that one year but it's worth keeping that in mind Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I just don't think they're going to do it. Yeah. I don't think I want them to do it either. Like, I would love to have Machado, but I don't like... It get, makes me a little sick thinking about what it would take to actually get Machado on the team, and then the fact that that's going to be it. Yeah, it, it depends on what it takes. I'm not giving up Alex Reyes or Luke Weaver for him, because mm-hmm. these are guys that can contribute right away. Yeah. And also for years after that. Yeah, where Machado is only one year. Because it, it does... it. Like, if you think about it, he does help you compete in 2018. Yeah. But he, he really only pushes it equal with the Cubs. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would put, agree with he that. He doesn't push you past the Cubs. So it's a chance to win the division. It's not even a guaranteed thing to win the division. And then he's gone, and then you're screwed. <laughs> and then you definitely aren't competing with the Cubs after that. Yeah. So... I don't, yeah. I don't like it. The comparison that I made over the weekend in a, a post was comparing Machado to Jason Hayward, which I, I personally think is like a dead-on comparison, not to toot my own horn or anything, but mm-hmm. some people reacted more negatively to it. But what, what it essentially is is you're trading a player, you're trading for a player that you're going to get for one year, and you could sign him to an extension, but why would you... If the Cardinals, say the Cardinals acquire Manny Machado and then they sign him to an extension, first of all, they're not going to sign him to the extension before he hits free agency, I wouldn't think. That's why would he have held out for five years yeah. of not signing an extension if you were just going to immediately be like, okay, I'm on the Cardinals now. Now mm-hmm. I just love it here and I'm going to sign for hundreds of millions of less. But if the Cardinals were to sign Machado, and I don't think that's unreasonable, I don't think he would be deterred by playing in St. Louis for a year. But I don't think he's going to give a considerable discount. You're paying for him at that point at market rate. You're paying him what he's worth, as opposed to this year where Machado is going to probably make way less than what he's worth. Like, it's perfectly reasonable and frankly likely that Machado would be more valuable relative to his his contract in 2018 than for the rest of his career put together. Because for the rest of his career, he's going to be making, what, $400 million maybe? Mm -hmm. Compared to, like, 15 to 18 million dollars next year probably so that's sort of where i stand on it and but and i mentioned this before between him and josh donaldson i'd rather get donaldson because i think donaldson's like slightly better bet for next year though i'm more or less indifferent but certainly don't weigh like future extensions there was a a quote from john mazelic i saw earlier today that suggested that or maybe it was a, a report about something that he had said but saying that the Cardinals would be more likely to pursue Donaldson than Machado because they felt like Donaldson would be easier to extend. That seems like a very strange rationale towards what I think is the correct conclusion, but (laughs) I'd rather, I kind of want them to get the process right here. Like the point is not to extend either of them. The point is to get a lot of production out of them in 2018. Then if you extend them, I mean, you can go ahead and do that, but those are separate transactions. And also, of course, Josh Donaldson is going to be easier to extend. He's like seven years older. <laughs> like he's going to command much fewer years, probably a lower average salary. I, I don't get it. I, I think it's all... And I feel like every single thing I say about any potential target, I feel like everybody's sort of chasing Hayward. Everyone still like feels burned by Hayward, which they shouldn't, but... People feel like this is like an indictment of the Cardinals that Hayward signed with the Cubs. It's not. It's just one player signed somewhere. It's it's not worth dwelling over. And 
if the Cardinals acquire Manny Machado, and then he says, okay, yeah, I'll I'll sign an extension with you, but you have to give me you know twenty years and six hundred million dollars. What are you going to do? Just sign that? No, you're going <laughs> to you're going to look at it analytically. You're going to see what the best uh, options are for your team. And I'm I'm just sort of ranting again, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the thing is, I don't I just don't think that there's as pressing of a need at third base as others do. I guess I think yeah. that I think Jed Jerko's fine. I think that Machado or Donaldson would certainly be upgrades, but. One person who I don't necessarily think is going to be an upgrade is Evan Longoria, who's the part of a whole new set of rumors. Which, yeah. So the rumors we talked about last week with regard to the Tampa Bay Rays involved Longoria, reliever Alex Colomay, and then starting pitcher Chris Archer. And I think we were pretty much in agreement that Archer's the get here. Yeah, that's what I was, say. I was going to say. They they don't really need. I mean, they could use Donaldson or Machado for infield defense and and hitting and stuff. But would they really think that the ticket to go after here is pitching? And Chris Archer is yeah. the main the main like I think prize, Do- I guess. Well, I think Donaldson and Machado, in addition, I, I think they're just better players than Archer. But Archer's also under contract for a longer time. And I think he fits more of a specific need for the Cardinals. Right. But now I keep seeing rumors that just sort of scratch Archer out of this. And I'm... I guess I would take Colomay and Longoria, but I'm not excited about it. No. Like, Alex Colomay has a few more years of arbitration control left, which is a little bit different than acquiring, like, a rookie where you get three years at league minimum. But you'll still be paying him less than he's worth, and he's a solid reliever. But ultimately, one, he's a reliever, so he pitches so many innings. And two... And I say this all the time, the bullpen's not that bad. The yeah. bullpen's never as bad as we think it is. We, we see the bullpen blow leads. We see, like, closers blow games because they come into games that are close. If you're coming into a one-run one lead of a game, you're going to blow a lot more of them than if you come into games where you're down by six or something. So, therefore, we, uh, you know, sort of talk up guys like, uh, like John Brebbia, who I think is okay, but... I'm not quite ready to anoint him the closer or anything. <laughs> and then get mad at Trevor Rosenthal when he blows a one-run lead after converting 10 or 12 straight save opportunities, even though there's not really any rhyme or reason to that. But yeah. to get back to the actual it's targets. A, of- it's the baseball way. It's like you, a tradition of baseball to yeah. hate your manager and hate your closer, I think, right? Yeah. And, and that that's like... To be a fan, you have to do those things. Yeah. And uh, regarding Evan Longoria, his contract is okay, He's scheduled to make, uh, I can pull up the exact terms of it, but it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 15 or 16. I don't know why I'm just guessing when I can just pull up the Fangraphs page. (laughs) But the thing with Longoria, though, is he's just not amazing. I don't know how much better. I would say he's probably a little bit better than Jed Jerko at this point in his career. Okay, so Longoria is 32. He turn, he'll he be 32 throughout all of next season. He would turn 33 during the playoffs, which hopefully the Cardinals would make. But So he's scheduled to make $13.5 million in 18, 14.5 in 19, and then 15, 18.5, and 19.5. And then there's a team option for 2023. Under those costs, I think he's fine, but Jerko makes a lot less money. And 
And I feel like if you were to give up Jerko to get Longoria, that just isn't really moving forward. There, there's additional value in having Jed Jerko as a bench player. If you can make him like a platoon partner with Colton Wong, have him be the backup third baseman, have him be able to you know step into spot duty at shortstop, especially if Paul DeYoung falters, then that has mm. extra value to it. But just in and of itself, like Longoria... Well, Colomay as well, but Longoria especially is a means to an end, and that end is Chris Archer. And I don't know what I would give up to get Colomay and Longoria, but it's nothing exciting. I'm Mm-mm. I'm definitely not giving up Alex Reyes for that. I'm not giving up you know Jack Flaherty for it, but I, I don't know what my level is because I'm not nuanced enough on these things. But yeah. There just isn't... Like, I don't know that I would take Colomay over Reyes in the bullpen next year. So, yeah, I think that that would just be just a bizarre compromise solution that doesn't actually fix anything. I'm not really excited about any of the rumors that have come out lately. Like, I know people are fine with Ozuna as long as the Cardinals aren't done. Um, But I'm getting to the point where I just want them to be done because I'm so afraid that they're going to make a terrible trade. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, you know what? If we're done, then that's that's fine because this has been a good offseason so far and I feel like they're really about to ruin it. (laughs) I feel like we both, like our sort of um, ideas with regards to this, our sensibilities are kind of long-term thinking and more thinking that the Cardinals being respectable is fine mm-hmm. and that it, you, in some ways you'd rather be respectable for 10 or 15 years rather than awesome for three or four and then down after that yeah and any move the cardinals make from like the high-end prospects is going to you know potentially cost them down the road but if you're acquiring a guy like chris archer i'm much more willing to do that i don't want to trade you know, top prospects for rentals, though. Yeah, same. Like, I'm not sure what exactly what the equivalent package is to um, Shelby Miller and Tyrell Jenkins for, in the Hayward trade. Though they also got Jordan Walden. That's not an insignificant part of it. At least mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, he got hurt. And yes, that's unfortunate. But that, but that, but really, though, they gave up Shelby Miller, who had pitched for two years, so he had four years of control left, but he was coming off of a bit of a sophomore slump, and they gave up a a low-level minors prospect, and they got a player who's, like, at the time was considered slightly worse than what Machado's considered now, Mm -hmm. plus a useful reliever. Like, I feel like you you should be able to get somebody like Machado or like Donaldson for the cost of, like, Maybe one Jack Flaherty, but you're not giving up, like, amazing superstars. I'm not giving up, like, Flaherty and Carson Kelly and Gritchick or whoever. Guys, because it's not actually helping the team in any significant way beyond one year. Mm-hmm. And even in that one year, is it going to help you enough that you can... Ass- like, if you could assure me a World Series win, yeah, sure, we'll do it. But... There's a certain randomness to all of it. Right, and it's still not enough to necessarily win the division. That's the thing. You still don't... Like, it's not even guaranteeing... Like, you can't really guarantee anything, but it's still not even going to shoot them to the top of the division as far as, like, odds go. (laughs) Yeah. The Cubs are still going to be better, I think. 
I actually think, though, and there's still a lot of offseason to go, and the Cubs may still have more moves to make. I think the gap between the Cardinals and the Cubs is not quite as bad as you might think. Well, no, I never have ever thought it was that big of a gap. But <laughs> like, I feel like like the thing that the Cubs have that the Cardinals don't have is they have Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. Like they have mm-hmm. those like which I looked at Anthony Rizzo's contract today makes me so depressed. It's such yeah. a good, it's such a team friendly contract. I remember when they signed it and they got kind of a little bit of heat because they signed it this contract extension kind of early in his career. But man, that looks really good. There was there was a period like in the early 2010s where it became fashionable for players to like say that they were signing club friendly contracts. But I guess eventually maybe the union pressured them and said, "Hey, you know what? Maybe don't couch it as I'm trying to help the team. Maybe couch it as I'm trying to get financial security." Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 glad that's over. But like that's really the difference, though. I think that with the Cardinals. As you mentioned, I'm concerned about the rotation. It's probably my chief concern at this point. But I don't know that their rotation, as it stands right now, is worse than the Cubs' rotation. No, I don't think so. I think they have definitely more upside than their rotation, the Cardinals' rotation. Yeah, and you know, speaking as far as you know, projecting the teams going forward, the uh, 2018 uh, Zips projections, which was. Um, the Zips uh, projection system devised by a friend of the podcast, Dan Zimborski. This one actually is a friend of the podcast. He's been yeah. on it before. Like, yeah. Usually we say friend of the podcast about celebrities we've never heard of, but we've actually talked to Danny. Or people that hate us. But <laughs> I don't think Dan hates us. He doesn't hate me. Maybe you. No. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can see it. But... Uh, <laughs> But anyway, the the uh, the projections are out. Were there? And you actually wrote about uh, Marcelo Zuna's prediction earlier today, or mm-hmm. his projection, I should say. Was there anything um, with regards to Azuna or regards to anybody in particular that stood out to you? Uh, not particularly, other than um, I kind of thought it was interesting that Ozuna's comp was Matt Holiday, which is what I kind of wrote about today, just because how the comps work. And I had to have uh, the Grobot explain that to me a little bit because I was a little confused. His explanation here was correct. He's a yes. liar in many regards, but in this way he was. Well, right. I appreciate it because this this is why I asked because I didn't want to say the wrong thing, and it just didn't. What I was thinking did not seem like it could be correct, and so I initially thought that the comps were based on the projections. Like Ozuna is projected as age twenty seven, Matt Holiday. And when I looked at it, that age twenty—that's two thousand seven. Matt Holiday, age twenty-seven. Matt Holiday is, and that is like an MVP caliber player. And there's just no way, unless you're projecting like Mike Trout, you project project someone to be the MVP. You know, you don't. Yeah. So I was like, that doesn't make any sense. How do they do the comps? And how it is is it's not. The projection, the comp, it is not the projection. It is the... It's based on track record yeah, up to this point. Yeah, it's based on the history. So what you're really looking at is, the, like, the last three years. And I think Zimborski... Zimborski. Zimborski. Explained that on the podcast when he was on. But it is, like, the last three years of the player's... I don't Performance. Know, history, yeah. Their last three years, uh, last three seasons of performance, and then you find the player in history that has had a similar career arc or path or whatever, and 
from Ozuna that happens to be Matt Holiday. So you're looking at 2004, 2005, 2006 Matt Holiday and comparing it to 2014, uh, 15, and or 15, 16, and 17 um, Marcelo Ozuna. Yeah. And that is a pretty good player when you look at it. I mean, even looking at stats that are kind of supposed to balance out, the, like take out the cores effect, you look at WRC+, and you look at um, wins above replacement and everything like that, that's a really good player. And at first, I, first I you were talking about the Coors effect for Ozuna, and I was very confused. No, like, oh yeah, Holiday played for Colorado. Yeah, that's right. you, you have to take his offensive stats with a grain of salt, which is why you look at the, um, I can't think of the word right now, the environment. Park factors? Yeah, like that take account for park factors. Um, and it's still a good player, and you kind of see what Matt Holiday became, and this projection by no means means that uh, he's going to become Matt Holiday. It doesn't? No. But... It's disappointing. If you see the trend, if this is the trend he's on, I would not mind him following that trend. I think that would be quite nice indeed. Yeah, the 6.9 war season would be quite nice yes, indeed. quite nice indeed. But... That was um, the only thing I really noticed. Yeah, the, the player comp thing, it's amusing, but... I don't really know how scientific it is because, well, first of all, the the comps like they're they're by position, so it works in that way. But I mean, it's some of them just seem weird, and a lot of them are also. But the point is that this this person follows this like players their career arc, career arc, yeah, and so it's kind of fun to see like Sandy Koufax. Spoiler alert: It's Clayton Kershaw. You know, or Clayton yeah. Kershaw is Sandy Koufax, and he's Sandy Koufax every year, which is kind of cool. <laughs> but but some of them are kind of bizarre. Like Yadier Molina's comp is Brian Harper, which kind of makes sense, I guess, if you're looking at. Um, and it's not his whole like season. his last few years. Yeah, but it's, it's not just, his whole career. It's like the last three years. I'm it, pretty it, sure. It just seems weird from a career perspective that Yadier Molina is being compared to Brian Harper, who was sort of an okay catcher like 30 years ago for the Twins, but it just doesn't seem like that's who it should be. But then you look at, like, Bravik Valera, his comp is Omar Vizquel, <laughs> because Omar Vizquel was a late bloomer and for some reason might be going into the Hall of Fame soon. We'll, we'll talk about that in a later episode. We have <laughs> I have thoughts on Omar Vizquel, Hall of Fame candidate. He was a really good fielder for the Indians, right? Yes. Okay. However, he was not very good at other things. But again, we'll say that for another time. But then you get, like... Carlos Martinez's number one comp is Freddy Garcia. And Freddy Garcia was a good pitcher for the the Mariners. But then you see that Luke Weaver's top comp is Don Sutton, who's a Hall of Famer. And then at that point, you start sort of dreaming. Uh, old, old Miles Nicholas is Jake Westbrook is his comp. But it, it's also at a certain age. Like, it's not just any old... You know, that's the thing. You have to just know how the comps work, which is why I was trying to explain them before I went on to say how it's interesting because you you have to look at their their ages and their like last three seasons and that's kind of how you look at it did you see that uh julian tavares was uh comped <laughs> to a cardinals uh prospect on here oh i have his jersey according to casual yeah, was, observer uh kevin hergett i think it's pronounced <laughs> the pitcher for uh Chicken memphis i'm not sure how they come up with that comp exactly but it is what it is and I think that, like, if you look at the uh, the war totals, which 
you know, there's merits to war. It's not perfect, but I think just as sort of a snapshot, I think that... Should we add them up to get the uh, ending war, t- the win total? Well... Have, I, have we been told to do that or to not do that? Yeah, it would require the Cardinals to play like 400 total games to get <laughs> the players the... He just says very specifically in the articles... Don't add these up. Don't add these up. <laughs> Which then the aforementioned Guazzini does to troll people. <laughs> yes, that's... Adds them up. <laughs> not, not advised if you're trying to actually get any sort of academic use out of this. But, uh, yeah, it should be... Uh, I think the Cardinals have an interesting roster at this point. I think that... Like, I think at this point they're in a position where... I think I'd probably pick them, like, in the first wild card. Mm-hmm. Just based on the fact that they got unlucky last year, based on the fact that I don't think Arizona's going to do what they did last year. Especially if they trade Zach Granke, which is apparently a thing they're looking at doing for yeah. for some reason. So, I, so um, I know you have a personal dislike of Zach Granke. Yeah, I... I for some reason, I don't... I don't... I can't exactly explain it other than he just has one of those faces of someone... Maybe I, I get that. So, maybe it's someone from my past that I didn't like, but whenever I see him, he just makes me upset. Do you know what I mean? Like I just like when when I see him yeah. pitch and stuff, I just I just like get this feeling. I can't remember where I've seen Zach Grinke's face in my past, but I feel like he liked Sammy Hagar a lot. <laughs> I can't quite figure out exactly the details in between those two observations, but I feel like that's part of the equation. But yeah, he has one of those fa- a very punchable face. Okay, so um, but anyway, so if you had to choose between the Cardinals signing you Darvish versus acquiring Zach Granke for basically like a non-prospect, but they take on all the salary. Would you rather pay Darvish, say, $25 million a year for the next five or six years, or would you rather pay Zach Granke $34.4 million for the next four years? I'd rather sign Darvish. How much of this is personal and how much of this is worried about the cost of Granke? It's the cost of Granke. I would, if he was less, like if he cost less... Despite my strange bias against him, I would say go for it because he's a very good pitcher and he's a very good hitting pitcher. And but I mean that's a secondary thing. But, but yeah. I think I don't I, I don't think that because what age? How old is he? Granky thirty two. I think he's older than that. Let me even older. I, I just don't think. Yeah, he's definitely older than Darvish for sure. Yeah. And Darvish is, what, 31? So is Grinky, what, like Adam Wainwright's age? He's a little younger than that. I want to say he's about 34. Yes, is he's 34. Is 34? No. He's 36? Yes. I believe, I believe so. I thought Wainwright was 34 because everyone acts like he's like 36 years old. No. Isn't. Adam Wainwright is 36. Is he th- okay. Um, but anyway, I just think that Grinky is about to turn. <laughs> like I just that, that may be I think if you I You know what I mean? Like you just see like this piece of fruit like ripening on a tree or something and you wanna pluck it right before like right before it it goes bad. And I have a feeling that You are so rural. Yeah, I have a feeling that 
this peach is about to about to turn. Because you don't want it to fall off the tree. And I have a feeling this one's about to fall off the yeah. tree. Well, the reason I asked this was because I didn't want to just ask, should the Cardinals acquire Zach Greinke? Because that just turns into a, how do I want to spend $34.4 million of somebody else's money kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, acquire Zach Greinke, but... Yeah. But, no. Don't. don't. I, I think, I think Greinke is, like... That's even too much for me to say. I think he's clearly a step ahead of Darvish, though. Like, I think... Like, I was trying to think about this in terms of Carlos Martinez. Would you rather have... would Like, cost not being a factor, would you rather have Darvish pitching or Martinez pitching? I'd rather have Martinez Martinez, pitching. Would you rather have Martinez or Granke, though? I'd rather have Granke. Yeah. Like, Martinez as a number two would be an unbelievable number two. Mm -hmm. And that would just totally solidify the rotation. The the problem with the rotation, though, I think is the guy that I'm the most concerned about of the five that are going to make it is Wainwright. And I just can't imagine a way in that which Wainwright is not a starter, at least to start next year. Yeah, I think I, Wainwright will be fine. I think people are over-exaggerating his decline a little bit. He'll be all right. He's well, just I mean, not Adam Wainwright that we know. Yeah. He's, he's still a fine pitcher. Yeah, I'm okay with Adam Wainwright if he just basically settles into being like a number four, number five pitcher because... Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be fine with him returning to form, too. Yeah, well, happen. sure. I mean, things, crazier stuff's happened. I mean, that's sort of just, like, if you look at it in terms of his contract, he was a little underpaid for the first couple of years of it because he was a Cy Young candidate. Now he's overpaid for the last couple. But I just yeah. would rather he not be a disaster. Yeah. Well, I don't think he will be. I think people kind of, they think, remember Adam Wainwright and him being the perennial Cy Young candidate. And then they're like, oh, well, Wainwright's terrible now. Well, he's fine. Yeah, maybe that's what you're thinking, though, too, is the fact that he... Ha- like, if Adam Wainwright were didn't have that track record and you just thought he was last year, I'd be pretty worried about it. Nah, I think he's fine. <laughs> you're more optimistic than I am, though. I think he's fine. I think he's... All right. He'll be okay. I will leave Adam Wainwright alone. I feel like you're going to start yelling. <laughs> I just... He's going to be fine. Like, he's not going to be what he was, but he's not going to be... He's not all of a sudden going to turn to, you know, Mike Meyer in his first start against the Dodgers out there either. He'll be all right. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see. I can't even name an A's starting pitcher, so I think Adam Wainwright will be okay. <laughs> I'm sure I can. I'm just blanking now off the top of my head to name an A's starting pitcher. Yeah. Like there's 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 teams going into the season with much worse as their like number two or three starter than Adam Wainwright at number four or five. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that we've established that the Cardinals rotation is looking better than the A's rotation. Yeah, well, and that's the thing about the projections too is that no starter. This includes like pitchers and position players. No starter projects at under two wins above replacement. Yeah, they're all two or above, and two is considered. An average player. Like a replacement player is zero. Zero, yeah. And that's a below average player. And two is an average player. And if you have, like, if you have no obvious holes and then a couple of standout players, that's a pretty good team, you know? Like, usually you need those star players to compensate for the fact that you have obvious weaknesses places. But if you don't have an obvious weakness and you have maybe not a superstar, but an all-star, that's a pretty good team. I'll take that team. I don't like you mentioning these war totals. War is a made-up stat, as many people yelled at me over the weekend. <laughs> it is a made-up stat, yeah. but uh, a lot of things are made up. Every I mean, stat's a made-up stat. Gravity's made up, too. But yeah. 
is, I feel like you're going to start going on some like Kyrie Irving stuff here. Yeah, on the, the flat earther. But no, I mean, it is. We can't prove that it exists, but we know it does. Sure. I mean, yeah. really. I'm, I'm just I'm just angry because my uh, the Machado and Hayward post was a, it was a big hit on Google News for some reason, which I don't know how that happens, which um, led to a lot of people that I've never who've never like read me before and know anything about me yelling at me for comparing the two and for also citing war. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, t- think too much of it. I, I try not to. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we are about ready to wrap this up. Kane has been unbelievable this episode. Kane is the real MVP. We haven't heard a peep from him, I don't think. He like yawned earlier, but I'm not going to hold that against him. We, we might. People might have thought it was you yawning. Yeah. I might have thought it was you yawning. I don't know. Yeah, he made a noise. He was like, but that was not me. That was him. <laughs> okay, gotcha. That last time was me, but that was him earlier. All right, uh, Heather, where can people uh, find you and your work? You can read my writing uh, on Viva Alberto's Monday through Friday at 12 noon, and you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I don't know why you would, but you can, uh, at LIL underscore Scooter 93. I'm expecting that your uh, future hunt and peck um, are going to also be analyses of the Zips projections, just player by player. I mean, maybe if I find something interesting. That's kind of the beauty of... The articles that I write is I get to just write... Sort of freewheeling, no rigid topics. No rigid topics. I get to write about whatever strikes my fancy and pretty much whatever I want. (laughs) Sometimes it's fan fiction. Sometimes it's just a tweet. Sometimes it's a video. Look at this video. I write... Great great guy I have here. Meanwhile, I write about whatever people tell me to write about (laughs) because I'm horribly insecure on uh, Viva Alberto's. Uh, the Thursday thing's pretty steady. The other day of the week, I don't know. Usually it's on Mondays. It wasn't today. It was on Saturday instead. But just check out Viva Alberto's. There'll be a lot of, especially whenever news breaks, there'll be a lot of posts going up every which way. And you can follow me on Twitter at JohnJF125. You can follow Viva Alberto's on Twitter at Viva Alberto's. Facebook.com slash Viva Alberto's. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you want you don't subscribe if you don't want to i don't think it actually helps us if people subscribe it just helps if you listen so but if you subscribe you'll remember that you're supposed to listen to it mm-hmm. so whatever just do whatever you feel like it doesn't matter just listen to it you don't have to listen to it just play it on mute yeah and let it go through and we'll just get the listen that actually might be better because then people won't be mad at us yeah. for it just you know whatever you want yeah but uh this will probably be our last episode before uh, Christmas, barring any sort of major news that happens. So, um, Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the entirety of my sentimentality. <laughs> you got anything else to add? Nope. All right. Bye.